Good morning. Our reading this morning comes from Philippians 1, reading verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Thanks so much, Steve. Let's, um, let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, um, if not written directly to us, written for us. And so, Lord, we pray that by your spirit today, you take these words, and Lord, I pray that they make a difference to us. Encourage us, challenge us. Lord, where we need to change, change us. Our desire, Jesus, is to be more like you. As churches, we want to act as your witness in this world to see your kingdom come. Lord, will you speak now? Hear our prayer. Amen. This is a a wonderful letter. Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, this young church, is full of life and hope. There are some letters, of course, that Paul writes that are less so, where he's addressing all kinds of issues. Even in those letters, there's life and hope. But in Philippi, there appears to be no great issues that Paul's addressing. In fact, you've got a question, well, what's the letter about? And I'd like to suggest to you this morning that what we're reading in this letter is a thank you, a thank you letter from Paul to the church in Philippi. One that you might write if someone had gifted you something. Does anyone still write thank you letters when they get given presents? great discipline to be in. Tried to pass that one on to my kids with limited success. Best we do these days is kind of like a little WhatsApp occasionally to someone, cheers type of thing. Uh, But it's a good discipline to be thankful when we receive blessings, presents from others. This is the reason I believe Paul writes from at this point under house arrest in Rome for preaching the gospel in Rome he writes to this church in Philippi a thank you letter. And the thing is, of course, that within that, there's all kinds of wonderful bits. We, we, we have some of our greatest verses in Scripture about us helping us understand who the nature of our God is in chapter 2. Talks of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but became a servant, taking the form of human likeness. This is, this is what we read, and we understand just who God is through the person of Jesus here on earth and the wonderful way that Paul puts that into almost song 
It's beautiful. And we've also got those what I call fridge magnet verses in this book. You know, these ones that you kind of, they used to be printed on guitar straps back in the 1970s and 80s. And and these days they kind of made it through to memes, for those of you that do social media, uh, or fridge magnets. So there's a rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, some of you are awake, and that's just so encouraging. I'll see what I can... I'll see what I can do about that. Um, so so you, these are the bits that we pull out of this wonderful letter to our detriment, if that's all. Because these first verses, I believe, are absolutely central to the whole way, not just that the church in Philippi works, but to the way that the individual churches and Paul work together as one story. Paul's story was the church in Philippi's story, the church in Philippi's story was Paul's story, and the whole thing was actually God's story. And that is the picture we get in these opening verses. Next slide, please. I'll go for the next slide, please, because I'm not sure whether this is going to work or not. These verses right at the beginning, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This phrase, partnership, in the gospel sits there and we we read over it It, it's it's pretty it's nice it's almost a fridge magnet in its own right isn't it you can read past it but i'd just like us to stop and spend some time with this phrase for a few minutes this morning now the word that paul uses for partnership in the 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 original language that he wrote which was greek um, is that one very good The Greek speakers will tell us that that says? There you go, there's at least one. I bet there's a few others of you out there. Koinonia is how to say that in English. And as you can, if you can read upside down and backwards, it's most often translated as fellowship. That's what this word is is translated into the English Bible most often. But koinonia is one of the key words, much more than a word. It's even much more than a concept it actually becomes a a reality that is aspired to and is actually realised within the early church. Koinonia is fellowship, which is fine. I I have no problems with that translation except for this. You see, you guys, I know, are a very hospitable bunch. I can't tell you the amount of meals that you've fed me over the years. So many meals that you have fed me over there. All of them delicious, by the way. I've been well blessed. You see, when I say fellowship to a church like you, next slide please, some of you think about this. You think about the fellowship meal, yeah? Obviously, I have no issues with that. I'm quite up for a fellowship meal, me. So it's not that koinonia isn't that picture, but that's not the kind of image that we want for this use of the word in the church in Philippi. Now, worse still, I go occasionally to churches, and maybe you have as well, where actually this wonderful, huge concept and reality of koinonia is reduced down still further to, next slide please, that. It's a cup of coffee after church and a rich tea biscuit, 
right? And, that, and, that's, and that's what's become of koinonia. And, and don't pretend that this hasn't happened to you, sisters and brothers, because it's happened to all of us. You have that horrible moment where you dip your rich... I don't know why it's always a rich tea biscuit, but then they must be more sanctified than most or something. You, you, you dip it into your coffee, and that horrible thing where it breaks off. And in one, in one moment, you've destroyed your, your moment of koinonia for the week... Right there. And, and, then, and then you think, can I scoop the biscuit out of the coffee and, and maintain any dignity? And of course the answer is no. And, and then you think, can I drink the coffee past the biscuit and pretend it didn't happen? And the answer is no. What a disaster. And utterly not what Paul meant when he talked about koinonia in the gospel in the church in Philippi. So, let's have a little look at what he did mean. Next slide, please. If you like a Greek dictionary, and I love a Greek dictionary, me, then you'll find that this word can be translated in different ways, as indeed all foreign languages, when we translate them, you've got all kinds of ways you can translate different words. Koinonia can be translated as fellowship, it can be translated as partnership, association, communion, and the one that I like here is close relationship. I thank my God for all of you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your close relationship in the gospel. Now we're getting somewhere. You see, it's not just some passing awareness that each other exists. That guy Paul that came and preached a little bit and and planted this church and then off he went somewhere else. What was his name again? It's not like that. Oh, what, where was those folks from again? Never, says Paul. This is a close relationship. Despite actual distance, which in the first century was considerable, you can't just get on the blower in the first century and have a conversation. But despite the distance, they were persuaded and committed to walking this journey of faith, of mission, and of seeing God's kingdom come together in Koinonia in close relationship. Briefly, what might that look like today? I'm proud of myself. Today you've got the three Ps of partnership. See what I've done there? I mean, maybe one or two of them had to stretch a little bit, but it is three Ps. Are we good? Next slide, please. First and foremost, when Paul talks about koinonia and partnership in Philippians, he's talking about prayer. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Paul is clearly, prayerfully supporting this church in Philippi. Do you know what? As you read down, as Steve did, to the last couple of verses that Steve read for us, there's a beautiful prayer that Paul prays for the church in Philippi. Let me read it again. This is my prayer, says Paul, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If you've got a prayer prayer for someone, that's not a bad one to start with. Let's go for that. Yes, Lord, amen, is what we say to that. We want to have that sense of being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus. That knowledge, the ability to discern what is best, this is our hope. This is what Paul prays for, for the church in Philippi. 
I think we can be pretty confident that the church in Philippi is also praying for Paul. Not some distant prayers, but some intelligent, heartfelt prayers. Do we pray for those who we are in partnership with for the gospel? Now, my guess is that here at Mutley, well, it's not my guess, it's my knowledge, this church has sent countless people to be part of God's mission across God's world over the years. Some of them, I happen to know, you still have very active partnerships with. Not only are you supplying the the material needs with finances, but you know what they are about. You can pray with some intelligence for them. You might get them on Zoom on the big screen at a church meeting and have a little chat with them. You at least will send an email or receive emails once in a while so that you've got that sense of knowledge. So when you pray, you can pray with that real commitment. Could you do that for the guys in Mevagissi? Could you do it for the guys in Lou? For Sam in Littleham? For Ben in Seaton? Those with whom we have a partnership in the gospel that are maybe a little bit closer to home. Now, notwithstanding the fact that these were not your own, so to speak, none of them, to my knowledge, grew up in Mutley, but they're still sisters and brothers who we want to pray God's kingdom will come through these guys. Wouldn't it be lovely if there was that sense of committed prayer for one another? And remember, this goes both ways. So that relationship means that you talk to the folks that are beginning to meet this fledgling young church in Mevagissi, those that are meeting Faith Around the Campfire with Marshmallows. If you're doing church, Marshmallows is not a bad way to go, by the way. On on, uh, Saturdays, they normally meet on Saturdays. They could pray for you, if you'd like them to. And who wouldn't like that? So there's that sense of mutual relationship. Koinonia looks like prayer. Next slide, please. It doesn't just look like prayer, it looks like presence. Now, let me explain this one a little bit. And let me start by reading some verses from chapter 2 of Philippians to you. From verse 25, Paul writes this. I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you in his distress because you heard that he was ill. And indeed he was ill, almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I'm all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour those like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. I remember years ago preaching on this particular passage and I asked if anyone had heard of Epaphroditus and a little lady that was sat on the front said, I think my doctor gave me cream for that last week. It's not a dermatological condition. Um, This is is a, a person from scripture and arguably this is one of the Philippian church's best people. Someone that they trusted. Not someone on the fringe of the church, but likelihood someone right in the heart of that new church. 
And they sent Epaphroditus to serve Paul's needs whilst Paul was under house arrest in Rome. It's a considerable distance and a great challenge as well, it has to be said. Now, unfortunately, Epaphroditus got sick in Rome and Paul sent him back to Philippi, so we hear. But you see the heart. The heart behind this wasn't just that the church in Philippi was praying for Paul, it was that they wanted to present something of themselves with Paul in his mission where he was. How wonderful, how sacrificial, both for Epaphroditus, but also for the church in Philippi, to do that. Now, that could look like all kinds of things today. There is a chance that amongst our number this morning, sisters and brothers, that the Spirit of God nudges some of us to consider actually leaving where God has for us and going to serve him somewhere else. Maybe to join with a mission that's already happening, to go and help out with something that's happening somewhere else. Look, if there is a sense that God, by his Spirit, is doing that this morning, is nudging you, then, then please do respond to that. I'd love to chat with you about it afterwards, but Nick, the, the elders here, they would, they'd love to pray with you about that if that is something that you genuinely are feeling God's stirring in your spirit. And if it is, I praise God for it. At very least, I know that what Mutley has done in the past has been to visit those people who they've been supporting in mission elsewhere, sometimes overseas. And it's been a short-term thing, maybe a weekend, a week, depends on where they are, I guess, in the world. But that that has been such an encouragement, both for those who've been visited, but also those who are doing the visiting. They come back changed. They come back with a real stirring in their spirit for what God's doing here. For the amazing ways that they've seen God work over there raises their faith to believe that God can do amazing things here and is doing amazing things here. How wonderful. Who wouldn't want a bit of that? Well, it might not be as glamorous as visiting your missionaries in uh, Brazil um, or in um, uh, parts of Africa, but maybe would it be possible for you guys to organise a trip to Mevagissi? It's not a bad place, you know, and they do a great cream tea. Just be careful which way you put on the cream and the jam. But fantastic fish and chips. Or head across to go and spend some time with Sam in Littleham. Go and join in faith around the campfire. Not, not just because you like marshmallows, but because there's that sense of encouraging Sam in what he's doing, stirring your hearts for what God will call you to here. I'm not saying you're going to do faith around the campfire in Mutley Plain. I'm not sure how that would go, to be honest. But God has got things for you here, and your faith rises from seeing these things. It's absolutely possible. You can do it in an afternoon to some of those. Head down and spend an afternoon with Michael in the food club or spend a couple of hours on the allotment with those who he's serving on the allotment in Devonport. It's so doable. It's so doable. It's about prayer. It's about presence. Last one. We can't get around the fact it is also about 
providence, about providing for each other's needs. Let me read this verse from chapter 4 to you, verse 18. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. If you read the preceding few verses, you'll see that this is not the first time that the church in Philippi have sent what I believe to be financial gifts to support Paul on his missionary journeys. He refers to a number of times that they've done this. The partnership in the gospel since the very beginning is what Paul says in those opening verses of this letter. This is Paul's thank you. It's a thank you for the prayers. It's a thank you for the presence of Epaphroditus. It's a thank you for the providing of funds for Paul. Remembering, of course, that actually under house arrest is not as cushy as you might think it is these days. You might have felt under house arrest if you were in isolation with COVID, right? You can't get out and you can't do anything. Except, of course, you've spent most of the time on Netflix um, and then you ordered your food on an online app um, and uh, you almost certainly did some Amazon shopping uh, and um, you sorted out your finances using your, um, your computer on uh, your Wi-Fi and none of those things exist in first century Rome. In other words, when you're under house arrest, you really are stuck And so it requires for people to help, but it also requires for finances. You can't easily raise funds to pay for stuff. The church was providing for the needs that Paul had at that point. And Paul is so grateful. I thank you, Mertley Baptist Church, for your continued financial support for home mission that supports all the people that we mentioned before, all those in your leaflet. It supports the ministry of the association and it supports the National Baptist family who do an outstanding job supporting our churches on the ground. Most people in our congregations don't see that, but if you talk to your elders, they'll tell you about the work that they have done that has had a direct impact on the life of Mutley in the last couple of years. This is all supported by your providing of funds And I want to say thank you. I also want to say, please don't stop giving. And I also want to say, as many are in that leaflet, I think we could double that in terms of those that God is calling, who we could support with God's mission. Times are hard for all of us and for all churches. I'm not talking about being silly. I'm talking about responding to what God says to us. And if God lays this on your heart, then give from that responsive place of gratitude to God with cheerfulness, recognising that God has inspired the gift. Next slide, please. It would be remiss of me to read these few verses from the beginnings of Philippians and to miss out this very important one, which is where we come in to land. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your koinonia, in the gospel, from the first day until now, being confident of this, my friends, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Without wanting to go into the Greek lesson, there's no if or might about that verse. It's a stone-cold, absolutely certain will. God will carry on to completion 
that which he has started. I pray that and say that and share that from God's word with you this morning as a church, Mutley Baptist Church, growing and seeing new life amongst you, God continues to carry on amongst you that which he has started and he will do that and bring it to completion in his time. Not might, not if, he will. It's his work, he uses you for it and he will complete it through you. All you need to be is open and willing to be used by almighty God. For that purpose. I also say it to some individuals and maybe all of us in the room who are feeling weary, who are feeling worn out, who are feeling like we've served for years and here we are out of steam. For you as individuals hear this, that he who began a good work in you and you and you and me, he who began a good work in you will carry on that work until it is complete. Not if. Will. And so we leave this place with confidence, not in our own abilities, but in the fact that God invites us to be part of his mission, that he gives us purpose, that in him we know what it is to live life, to know the abundance of life, and the promise of hope for our futures. No matter who you are, where you are from, or what your background is, this is the promise of God for you this morning. And so let's have our hearts stirred for his mission, to pray for it, to presence ourselves and to provide for it. Last slide, please. And let's consider what that might mean for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you call us to be part of a family, your family. Thank you, God, for that family here at Mutley. Thank you for the ways that you have stirred hearts, for the values that are at the core of this church. I pray your abundant blessing on my friends here meet all of their needs and then God may they know the abundance of heaven on top Father I pray that in their witness for you in this part of the city across this city and beyond that there is that sense of not being alone not as an individual church but of being part of your family may God that partnership Lord, as we've spoken this morning about close relationship, Lord, may that relationship which we have with you be reflected in our lives together as we move forwards. Because our desire is to see your kingdom come and your will done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you for the privilege of being invited to be a part of that. And we also recognise the reality that we can't do that on our own. So be with us. For those this morning that need that new sense of affirmation of their part in your family, their purpose in your family, and that you will complete the work that you've started in them. 
Spirit, will you seal that promise from your word in our hearts today? May we take it from this place forwards into this world. Your work, not ours, but your work that you call us to be a part of. And Lord, I pray your blessing on all those here today. Amen.